Welcome to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you. Co-host Adam Conk. Hey, Paul. Staring at the side of his face right now. It's a good sight, right? Yep. Yep. You're the man, dude. You're driving a new car. You think you're all hot and sexy. and <laughs> I mean, you're great, you know? You put your wife in this big old minivan, but you get to drive this nice, you know, Jeep Cherokee. Used, albeit, but hey, much better than that hunking piece of junk van you were driving. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I'm not bad. making fun of you for having an old car. Like, you know, my, my, my truck's older, but literally, like, this thing's falling apart. It was back yeah, in the day. Was, We've talked about it, but it was time. Anyway, Thanksgiving, dude. Uh, Here it comes. Are you a holiday guy? You seem to me to be a holiday guy. Yes and no. Okay. Yes. You love. I love get togethers. I love people. Mm hmm. But I don't love drama. Touche. So it's a tension within me because usually when you get a lot of people together, mm -hmm. there's going to be drama. There's going to be drama. Now, are you the one one that's like, well, I can choose who I want to be around and where I want to go. Oh, heck yeah. Or do you say, no, we got to go to so-and-so's house and there are going to be a bunch of people, oh, you know? No, no. We, there's usually like two options or one option. Okay. Which is not an option if it's one. What about you? So I, I haven't always been a holiday guy. I'm becoming more of a holiday guy as I get older, get man. laid back. I'm getting a little bit more... <laughs> Uh, I would say probably my favorite holiday is Easter, only because I love spring. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm a spring guy. Not because it's the greatest um, day of the year. Second would actually be Thanksgiving. It's a non-religious holiday, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I love fall. Christmas, it just, I love the idea mm -hmm. spiritually of Christmas. Your soul's happy, but your emotions are... The chaos of Christmas, <laughs> you know, in America, yeah. it's too much. It stresses you out. But Thanksgiving kind of kind of eases you into the holiday season. So anyway, in South Louisiana, uh, which is, I love being here, is, it's all about food, man. Oh yeah, anytime you can get together for food, you know. I mean, we create holidays out of food, like the Boudin Festival, or yeah, and Boudin. For those people who don't know, it's like the sausage casing stuffed with rice and ground meat, and then it just sounds delicious. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. So any any funny. Th things that you guys cook are amazing things on thanksgiving or? well i mean we a lot of families have a way they cook their turkey every year right. but our way is that we try something brand new every year really that's dangerous and so far we haven't run out and it hasn't been a complete disaster one year was pretty bad because it was raw but <laughs> that's horrible so we had to keep cooking it for a few hours but um yeah we try something different every year barbecuing frying smoking now i had a friend who would do that and he would do a pre-thanksgiving party on how he was going to cook his turkey at Thanksgiving, so he wanted to try it. So whether he was going to smoke it or fry oh, it, or, and so we would get rehearsal. invited over to the dress rehearsal. That is a good friend. It was awesome. That is a good friend. Yeah, but here's the thing about here is that it's not just about the turkey. No. Turkey's sort of this traditional thing across the board with Thanksgiving, but in Louisiana, like you could have also have a brisket. Heck yeah. Or a pork roast. Or boudin, or sausage. It's all there. Or chicken. Uh, I mean... You can have all those, and then you get a little piece of turkey. Yeah. Now, so that's what I do. Like, I'll get all, like, brisket and all this other meat, and then I'll put a little piece of turkey to so that I'd say I did it. Do you cook the turkey? No, my wife. She's an amazing turkey. Turkey, turkey took her. <laughs> she took the turkey? She cooked the turkey. Where'd she bring it? <laughs> Gobble. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but your wife cooks the, the, cooks the turkey. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Do you just stay away from, from cooking birds altogether? Or? No, I love to cook. Yeah, and you're good at it. I've had your gumbo. I'm a Cajun man. Yeah. I'm a Cajun man. We cook. 
Uh, I love to cook, but specifically the turkey, she's on that, man. She's good. She's good at it. You gotta, you gotta know what you're good at, I guess. You gotta know what you're good at. Speaking of being good at something, I am, uh, I, I've been bothered a lot lately. There's a lot of, seems like arrows going around and it just, my head's spinning, uh, with everything in the media when it comes to, um, the dignity of life, mm-hmm. uh, and people. And even within, within the church, um, you know, there's, there's so much going on. I, I'm kind of on this kick right now and I don't know how to, how to get this out, but you know, when we say that we're Christian, we're Catholic, it means we're pro-life. Yeah. But it, it doesn't mean that we just fight for the rights of the unborn babies. Fair enough. Yep. When we say we're pro-life, it means that we believe that everyone has dignity. Yep. Like everyone. Yep. Like, like everyone has dignity, like God Every created everyone in the image and likeness. And certainly there's evil in the world, and some people are harder to love than others. Uh, but it just it boggles my mind that, that we have issues still in our country where it comes to um, the rights of people who were born yeah, and unborn. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times with people, with, with, with children who are unborn— you, you could see where other people come from. Like, I don't, you know, I don't believe in that or whatever. And and then we have these discussions about abortion and about what it means to really be pro-life and when when does life happen at conception. And, and we, we have these uh, debates, but it seems to me for people, uh, you know, for the rest of, of humanity, uh, whether it be uh, racial issues or immigrant issues or death penalty issues, it, it just seems to me that that the church's teaching is pretty clear mm-hmm. on the fact that everyone has dignity yeah. and, and rights. So is this the getting stuff off our chest moment? Do you need to get something off your chest? Because About this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll let you roll. Well, I think, based on what you're saying, I agree. And I think one of the problems we have in American Catholicism is that we've separated fighting for a cause... Mm-hmm from advancing the mission of the church right where there shouldn't be a separation right to advance the gospel is to defend the dignity of every human life right. wherever it is and to proclaim that message and preach it and when we separate a cause out from there to where it's like well to be catholic means to be fighting these laws doing these things well yes it does but within the context of our wider mission and i think mother teresa is the prime example of doing this because she she had the wherewithal to go to people like, you know, the national prayer breakfast in DC with, you know, Hillary Clinton and everybody there and say, you know, you get nowhere until you end abortion. Right. She could say stuff like that. Right. But she was advancing the mission of the gospel everywhere she went. She also went to the streets of Calcutta and and ministered to the dying. She visited people in prisons. Like she had a consistent view of the human person because it was not distinct from her view of Jesus. And I think we're kind of losing that or have lost that. I love that. So when we lose our view of people, uh, because we've lost our sight of Jesus, we lose our view yeah. of humanity. And we create enemies where they don't exist, really. Right. And so as a Christian, and I guess this is this is what I'm getting off my chest, if we're going to say we're Catholic, we're Christian, or, um, we're, we're believers, you know, we believe that that unborn baby has rights and dignity, uh, that, that elderly person that person who's different than me, who's a different mm-hmm. color, a different race, a different background, a different country, even that person in prison mm-hmm. or homeless. So, I mean, I, I know it's complicated, um, but we're called to love those people, we're, you know, and we're 
we're called to to be you know pro-life pro-jesus in, in all those ways and I, I think here's what it all boils down to is that we still have hate in the world because we still have sin in the world yeah. and the more and more that we weed out sin and the only way that we can weed out sin in our life is to focus on Jesus. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Right? The more we grow in that relationship with Christ, the more we love and we can see the dignity in people. And the further we get from Christ, the more sin comes into our heart and our life and our mind, and the more it breeds this, this idea of, of, you know, I hate to use the word hatred in everyone, but... No, it's true. But it's true. And I think you hit it on the head. Sin is the real enemy of the human race. And then if we separate our cause from the gospel... Our enemy becomes the other side, right? Right, like pro-choicers, uh, those who f- push the death penalty, those who want to see homeless off the street and in prison. They become the enemies, whether or not. I mean, the enemy of the entire human race is sin and separation from God. Yes. And our mission as a church is to reconcile that relationship. Yes. And that alone brings the salvation we're looking for. Yeah, and the enemy, Satan himself, the the evil one, is trying to cause division. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and hatred in our world, and we just have to reject that and focus on Christ. So anyway, we got that off our chest. <sighs> I feel so much. You better. didn't even know I was going to bring that up. I man. didn't. You feel we, better? We both had it on our chest. We Th- didn't let's even know. cook some turkey. Let's <laughs> <laughs> barbecue. It. Let's do barbecue turkey. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal if it doesn't get dry. Well, you got to know what you're doing, Paul. Well, you do. Apparently, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> anyway, great show today. Excited about our guest, Paul George Show with Adam Conk. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Great to be with you. Have my good friend and recurring guest on, Chris Faddis, Phoenix, Arizona. Chris, how you doing today, man? Hey, doing great, Paul. How are you? Doing good. Uh, fall's here. Thanksgiving's coming up. Um, what's your favorite thing to eat on Thanksgiving? You know what? Turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, and cranberry sauce in the same bite. Dude, you're a traditionalist. Yeah, man. You're a total traditionalist. I want it all in the same bite. That That's pretty cool. So, uh, Louisiana, we're a little bit non-traditional. We do have turkey, and we throw the cranberry sauce in the yard and let the dogs eat it. Um, but we'll cook, like, pig and roast and cow and squirrel and all sorts of things. Dude, I eat all of that except for the squirrel. But, maybe, well, it depends. If the squirrel is basted in the cranberry sauce that you threw in the yard, I might eat that. Dude, good for you, man. I love it. Uh, cranberry basted squirrel, Paul. That's a good one. We're on to something. I'm sure there's some restaurant here that already has that. But anyway, uh, talking to Chris Faddis, SolidarityHealthShare.org. You guys got some excited things on. I, I, I want to get in this conversation with you, but... Uh, with Solidarity, uh, you guys are open enrollment right now. Is that right? Yeah, well, well, we're always open. But uh, the federal government, you know, has the, the Affordable Care Act and the exchanges are open now. So right now between November 1st and December 15th is when people have their opportunity to 
find insurance through the exchange. And um, so it's a, it's a busy time for us because as people are finding their premiums are skyrocketing. I mean, I had a friend call me the other day; it's going up by nine hundred dollars a month. Aww. You know that kind of stuff. It's crazy. It's unjust. I, as people are figuring that out. They're they're saying, hey, let's look into an option outside of this. So Solidarity HealthShare is exempted from Obamacare. So we get a lot of phone calls right now. Um, we're, we're, you know, right now tracking at two or 300 calls a day from folks saying, Hey, what, how do I do this? But, um, so yeah, so it's a busy time. It's, it's good. We're excited to bring a lot more families in, uh, into the fold. Yep. Okay. So, um, all that being said, uh, I'm going to ask you a very obvious question and that's going to lead into this topic. I want to get into this discussion with you today. So, um, solidarity, you guys, uh, you know, Health sharing company, basically uh, health insurance, affordable, it's good. You cover everything, but you don't cover everything. Uh, and I say that by saying this. You guys do not cover abortions. No, we do not share in abortions. We don't We don't share in uh, sterilizations, uh, you know, vasectomies, tubal ligotomies. So you, know, so you, kind of you guys so, cover everything. You, you just won't cover things that aren't in line with our Christian faith, our Catholic faith. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, so uh, you guys won't cover abortions. Uh, why? And this is the topic I want to get into because in the first segment, Adam and I went off. Um, why? Uh, why don't you cover abortions? It's I mean, a simple question. It's it's, uh, it's an affront to our human dignity, and we, you know we obviously we believe that uh, the child's life is sacred. Um, and with dignity, we certainly understand situations where someone, you know, isn't prepared to take care of a baby, and we, we would want them to get the resources they need to, to place that child somewhere else, you know, in adoption. But, yeah, we, we believe that that's the most important piece, is we've got to protect that life. And ultimately, for us as a Catholic organization um, that shares the medical expenses, we also see this as an opportunity for, for evangelization. So in a lot of ways, we, we're able to help educate our members on why we don't, uh, you know, pay for certain things and, and per- perhaps help them understand church teaching. Yeah, no, that's good. I I think you guys have a great pastoral approach to it. You're not saying, hey, if someone's considering an abortion or, or even has, we don't love them or care for them. We want to get them the help, help them figure out what to do in the situation. Situations are complicated. Uh, life is complicated. And you guys know that it's not just this black and white thing, you know, like, we just want to cover really perfect people in our church. And the reality is none of us are perfect. We're all broken. Um, but I, I know for you, um, you're pretty invested in our culture and in the news and, and what, what you do, uh, not only in, in the ministry work that you do. Uh, it seems like our, our culture continues to have this battle um, with with human rights and human dignity, whether it be the child in the womb or whether it be a racial issue or um, s- some other issue with the dignity of the human person. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it seems even more prevalent today than, than I don't even, I mean, it, it's crazy to think that, right? I thought we were progressing as a society, but it seems even more prevalent today than it did 10, 15 years ago, you know? And, um, as you watch this, this move towards, and it's on all sides. I mean, I think people try to blame one side or the other, but, but it's happening all over. I mean, on the one hand, we have, you know, uh, discrimination against, um, you know, against different races, against different religions, even different, um, you know, uh, what, you know, what, what have you. But then on the other side, 
on the Catholic, you know, on this side of the world, you also have the, the discrimination against the church, against people of the faith, people who believe a certain way. And it is, it's kind of become this, you don't even know what to say anymore because you don't know what, what someone's going to do, think, or say about you because you say or believe one other thing. You know, it's just like all over the place. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, what do you think is at the, the root issue of um, the lack of love and respect for people or the dignity of human life? What, what, what do you think is the root cause of that? I mean, I think ultimately it's, it's sin and human frailty. I mean, you think about the fall of man and, you know, the earliest days, Cain and Abel, you know, and, um, you know, you're, we were, we've, we've since the fall, we've placed our, our own insecurities, fears, sins, failures on other people. And I think ultimately um, that's, that's who we are. That's, that's, that's kind of the, the, uh, I guess the inner battle that we go through, how do we deal with those sins, those inner frailties, those insecurities, you know, and, and how do we face that? And I think ultimately what we see is, is a society that um, at times bands together in certain little groups in order to make their insecurities seem normal <laughs> and, and then banding against other people. So I, that's my take. I mean, I'm certainly not a sociologist or, or, or any, or a psychologist or anything, but, that's just what it seems like to me, and that's why you see so many different factions today of people on all different angles of this that are that are essentially all you know bullying another group. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's a, a deep sin issue, a, a sin of humanity. I, I, Cain hated his brother Abel. You know, from the very beginning, there was this hatred and sin, and uh, to the point where he murdered him. Right? Uh, um, am I right about that? Um, did that yeah, happen? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, yeah, I it mean, was inner, it was definitely a hatred. It was a vile hatred. Yeah, and and even you see in the old Old Testament, the old covenant. I mean, um, Moses got angry uh, and murdered someone, uh, someone that he didn't like, um, someone from a different culture and a different background. <clears throat> and God had had uh, redemption on him and and uh, forgave him, although there was just punishment for him. You so you see this hatred kind of woven out all the way from the time of, uh, of, of the fall and, and throughout humanity. And what's the solution for that? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, ultimately it's the cross. It's, it's mm -hmm. Jesus. I mean, it, there, you know, certainly, you know, that may seem unfair, right? Cause it would seem like there's uh there's no way for someone who doesn't believe in Jesus to, to, to maybe solve this problem for themselves. But ultimately, when when we allow Christ in our life, we allow that peace to come in. And it's not to say that people with Christ in their life don't also sin in this way, because they certainly do. But I think it's, it's that. It's also just a simple, it's love, it's compassion, it's, it's generosity, kindness. You know, I mean, there's, there's so many pieces there, but all of that comes for us as Catholics from, from living the faith. Yeah, I mean, Jesus came to restore and redeem us from our sin, from our hatred, right? To to bring us back in a relationship with God, with the Father. <coughs> Excuse me. But it's through Christ, like you said, the cross, that that we experience that love and that mercy, right? Right, absolutely. I think, I mean, absolutely. And I think if we can not only experience that for ourselves, but then go outside of ourselves and share that with others, you know, and be the Christ, be Christ to the world. You know, it may seem cliche, but ultimately, 
when people meet our meet us in our kindness and in our um, you know in our our compassion and our joy of Christ, they can see a different person. I mean, I, I knew a guy. Um, I got to know this guy a few couple years ago who's a who's a Protestant evangelist and. He's kind of a shock jock evangelist. You know, he's got this approach that's real kind of gruff and aggressive online. He's a big social media personality. He has millions of followers, you know. But he does these campaigns that are kind of, um, you know, they're, they're calling out some of the, some of the, you know, the oddness and some of the, the inconsistencies of, of, let's say, the left or whatever. And, um, and they're not wrong, but he's really aggressive, right? And I was with him one time at a coffee shop, and people were looking at him weird because they knew who he was, you know. And, and he's, he would, in their minds, is like seems like a racist. And I said, how do people treat you when you come to these places? And he said, honestly, once they get to know me, they really like me. It's what they don't like is what they see online. And I said, well, maybe you're not sharing that same love, compassion, joy that I met in you with people. You know, and that, that's where I think we're inconsistent in our faith. If we're, if we're not being Christ to others, even if we disagree with them, right. you know, even if we don't like their lifestyle or what their choices are or agree with their politics, then of course they're going to see us as vile, hideous creatures who hate them, you know? Right. And so I think that's, that's got to be the beginning, Paul. So we've got to attach to the mercy of Christ and then share that with others. Uh, in tr- truth and goodness, we're not, I'm not saying we need to, to you know, lay down the, the truth of the faith and what God has taught us, but, but in that we need to share mercy and, and and grace. Well, the word compassion, if you break it down, means to, to suffer with, you know, and if we can't really have that compassion for people uh, to suffer with, to walk with people, who people who aren't like us or look like us or act like us or believe in the same things that we believe, then how can someone experience Christ? And I, and I look at my own life and I think, what are the times that I've experienced, you know, the love of God the most? And certainly I can point to maybe, you know, retreat experience or prayer experience or the sacraments or mass. But when I drill down even more, I think the times I experienced Christ the most was someone who loved me when I felt unlovable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. That, you know, I think that's the, you know, you, I've seen this in myself, but I think, I think you can kind of understand this. Most people can is there's this, um, there's this inner turmoil that we all go through for different reasons, right? Whatever it is. And, and it's all different levels. But when we're in, in a state of sin or failure or just dealing with stuff, we start to think everyone's judging us, right? Oh, well, that person doesn't think I'm successful enough. That person makes more money than me, and I'm struggling to pay rent this month. They must think I'm a, I'm, I'm a loser. You know, that person doesn't like it. You know, it's, it's, we kind of get into this self-loathing in our internal dialogue. Right. And I think that affects how we it's like we're projecting and again i'm not a psychologist but we're projecting that kind of inner loathing on other people and assuming they think that way and then we begin to get defensive right and then start to so i think that's like that's the thing we have to realize is that everyone is going through their own inner turmoil everyone's going through their own pain right and when we can realize even though i have pain right now i can be compassionate towards you and your pain or your your dealings yeah, I think there's just something really special about that. When you feel like someone just loved you for you, that kind of helps to reset that inner dialogue, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I honestly, like, I think as a church and as organizations uh, within the church, um, we have to be able to, to really show that compassion, that love of Christ so that people 
who can experience the tangible mercy and and true love, authentic love that, that Christ has for us. I mean, how else are people going to know that if for us as Christians that we don't show that type of love for for um, for people, if we don't show the human dignity, not only, uh, you know, s- certainly I don't have a problem if, if you want to march and you want to go about policies and, and all these things, those are important. But at the same time, like what you're saying is uh, we need to be able to um, have that that same passion to do those things as to love people, to show that side of us as a Christian that can transform a person's heart. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think there's something to be said about that when you know you're talking about politics and and protesting and all those things. I mean, those are those are you know relevant things to our daily life, and and people do need to be involved in those at some level, right? But I think there's something to be said for what is our purpose? Like, you know, um, one of the things people will ask us with Solidarity Health Shares, you know, why, why do you care if people get these procedures done or that? Or, why, you know, why are you doing this? And for us, it's about salvation. We, we are going to help you in your health care, but we're also going to help. We're not only going to – we're not just solving for ourselves, but we're Catholics. We don't want to pay for that. We're also – it's about salvation. We do not want to let anyone or lead anyone into sin or support that. And so when we talk about these issues, these dev- divisive issues that we're all dealing with and grappling with, and maybe we're protesting, maybe we're involved in letter-writing campaigns, whatever it is, or online you know, blog conversations, we need to keep that at the center and realize that we have to communicate that to the people that disagree with us or who maybe we disagree with. You know, that, look, we're doing, we, we believe in your salvation. We want the best for you. And I think that gets lost a lot. I mean, that's what I, what I see is it's a lot of yelling and shouting and name-calling and, and kind of putting people in a box. And it's, it's really uncomfortable. It's, it's why a lot of people are like, don't even want to be on social media anymore, you know. And I think at the end of the day, we just have to keep that at the forefront. And I will tell you, Paul, I mean, I know for me, the times when I feel most like I'm doing what God's calling me to, to do as far as being, you know, whatever, uh, a disciple and, and evangelizing, is when someone will say something to me, that just I've, I've met in the public square. I mean, there's a guy that I've gotten to know really well who owns a restaurant locally. And I remember one day he just came up. He's like, what, what are you doing in your life? Because you, like, the, when I see you, you look content and you look happy. Hmm. And we sat down and we started talking. I happened to be writing my book at the time in his, in his coffee shop. And, and as we got to talking, we got to know each other. And to this day, he still says, you know, you and there's this other guy who's a local pastor. He says, you two are the two people I think about. And I'm like, how do I get that? And we both are like, we can tell you how to get that. It's Jesus, you know? <laughs> right. But ultimately, it, it's just me being me and trying to be a, a kind, compassionate person. I don't do it right all the time. There's probably someone I've cut off before that's like, I don't want to be anything like that guy. But ultimately, he and I disagree on a lot of issues, yet we have so much in common because of our compassion towards each other. Right. And that's where that conversation begins and, and can really have fruit. Yeah, and not only that, you you both you both desire the same thing, which is uh, happiness. And I think as a Christian, you're able to point other people to where your happiness comes from. Like you're not in a desperate search for more, you know, for more money or more possessions or all these things. Uh, you're you're in pursuit of Christ, who gives you happiness and allows you to be content uh, with what God has given you. And and that's a witness to the world, a world that's constantly in pursuit of more and constantly looking at others, and then that just that just builds on what we're talking about. You know, I, I hate them. I hate my brother Abel. I want to kill him because he has what I don't have. And and that hatred builds, but Christ comes to restore that. 
talking to Chris Fattis, solidarityhealthshare.org. So open enrollment all the time, but particularly now. Uh, Chris, how, how can people find out more about Solidarity? Yeah, visit our website, solidarityhealthshare.org. Our call center is open until uh, 9 at night Eastern time, so feel free to call 844-313-4999. We'll, we'll answer all your questions and, and help uh, see if we can't help you put, put your mind at ease. Sweet, bro. Dude, thanks for taking the time today, man. It's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was great to be on, Paul. All right, man. Talk to you later. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Right here, right now, staring at Adam Conk. You do a lot of staring. I do, because we're in this small space, man. Your face is right there. I can't help but look at it. We are pretty close right now. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. uh, Good interview with Chris. Yeah, that man has some depth. We kind of got this topic going on today. So what did you learn from the show today? Well, honestly, I think I learned that more people are interested in a different kind of conversation about life in the Catholic Church than I realized. What do you mean? You're interested. Chris is apparently interested. Well, a conversation that kind of moves us forward as a church, advancing the cause of life, but also the gospel and not separating them. You know, again, you kind of have... These ideas swirl around my head, but I don't, I don't talk about them with people too much. So I don't realize that other people are thinking the same thing. Yeah, and I think you se- you say separate them. I think that's a good point that that uh, we we can't separate the two. You you can't separate Jesus from from your life. It, 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 they go hand in hand. And I remember going with a Catholic organization to do mission work in a third world country, and they're doing great work. Uh, certainly more work than I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, water wells and education and um, health care. It's awesome. Amazing work. But then I asked them just a, just a simple question. I said, well, what are you guys doing to evangelize these communities to bring the gospel? And they said, we don't do anything. And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> like, are they just going to simply know Jesus by osmosis through the water? You know, like, mm-hmm. like at some point, like you can't. But there are Catholic organizations. They yeah. weren't just some humanitarian aid organization. Like, they, they, Catholic organization, a Christian mission. How can you separate the gospel uh, message from what you're doing? Like, that has to be integrated into everything. And certainly, maybe building the water wells at the forefront. But at what point, you know, do you do you really resource the person with the water of life? Mm. Boom! I just said that. Mm. Yeah. What did you learn? I learned that you have a chest, and you had to get something off of it today. Thanks for letting me do that. Yeah. I feel lucky. That was good for you. I thought it was a good moment. <laughs> it was a good moment. Thanks, man. Yeah. So anyway, um, how about that six-pack of questions? Question. Question number one, got to ask, you talked about eating squirrel. Yeah. Have, have you? 
Absolutely. What's it like? I haven't eaten squirrel. Um, you've never eaten squirrel? No. Okay, so for those people who don't live in Louisiana, squirrel hunting is like a deal. Here. Yeah, it is a deal. Okay, so I grew up squirrel hunting. Nice. Were you good at it? Now, if I eat squirrel now, I probably wouldn't like it as much because it's kind of like something that you just have to do or acquire taste. Is it kind of like eating a rat? Or I've never eaten a rat. Okay, good. So, <laughs> me neither. I mean, I'm just. It's asking. real tender meat. You cook it a long time and make a gravy. You put it over rice. The gravy is amazing. I and mean, you can cook a rock. There's for not a, a long whole time lot of meat on it. So to, you yeah. know, but neither does crawfish have a lot of meat. That's true. So you have to eat a lot of crawfish to fill up. Mm-hmm. You have to eat a lot of squirrels. Like how many in one sitting? Well, I mean, it's just kind of gross. I mean, it's like the legs and stuff. I mean, I would say, I don't know, maybe maybe eight legs. It's <laughs> disgusting. Right? Well, if anyone's still listening. There, it really on. is gross. That's I mean, I'm not like advocating. It's it's pretty disgusting. But, you People know, love it. when you're a Cajun down here, you just embrace it. Squirrel on a stick. All right, yep. question number two. So we mentioned racism a little bit, and I, it's kind of a funny question to ask you, a, a white man, but have you ever experienced racism? Um, maybe. Well, I don't really know. I, I think I think what I experience is maybe, um, you know, sort of this, um, you know, we hear a lot about this privilege, this white privilege or mm-hmm. whatever. I think people just assume that I'm privileged. Because, mm-hmm. because of my color, my race, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know how to have that conversation other than I just want to love people, and um, so I'm sure certain certainly people can argue that I've had more privileges in my life than other people, but I I don't I don't really know I don't know how to deal with that. Yeah, um, but I've I've had looks and stares. I've even had people not like me because I'm tall or. <laughs> Because I'm tall? athletic, or I was a jock, or you know, people have not liked me for reasons that are really silly. And I think ultimately, that's that's the conversation we're having yeah. is that we hate and we don't like for really reasons that are just because we're different, and it it's just crazy to me. Why would somebody not like you because you're tall? I don't know, jealousy. Oh, I you see. know, but I, you know, I'm, I'm jealous of people who are Such. short. I'm like, dude, you really? could like slip under that door and get oh, out of here. Like, did you say that? I mean, if I robbed a bank, I'd get first you one to get caught, to man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Question number three. You were talking about loving everyone and respecting everyone's dignity, but yet we're also called to evangelize. So what's the balance between respecting people's situation, but also being willing to invite them to something more, you know, and knowing and loving Jesus Christ? Well, I think the invitation's there always to have that conversation of do you, what do you desire? Do you want something more? Do you desire something more? I think most times people are like, yes, I desire more. I want more. Tell me about it. Mm. So our willingness to step in and tell them about the more, what else is, what else is there for them uh, to bring them peace or joy or forgiveness or mercy or comfort or compassion? Mm-hmm. But if we don't ask the question or engage in the dialogue, then how would it ever happen? I mean, I oftentimes like think that you know Christians online think somebody's going to come to know Jesus through their tweet, mm-hmm. and I'm just like that. You know, like you're thinking way too highly of yourself. <laughs> you know, there's got to be more of a dialogue there. Yeah, more of a compassion and love that that interacts with that person. Yeah, and you could come off as disrespecting people. Through that type of evangelization, huh? Yeah, you could come off as I know it all. Mm-hmm. Certainly, 
Mm. All right, question number four. You talked about the, about Solidarity's policy against covering abortion as an opportunity to evangelize. I thought that was really cool that he said that. Yeah. So what opportunity is he talking about? I think it's just that. It's engaging in the conversation of, well, we don't cover that, but tell us about your situation. And can we let us help you figure out a better option, you know, uh, uh, adoption or keeping the baby? Like, let's let's talk through the better option in regards to the dignity of this life. And I think that's cool that they do that. Like, they take advantage of that opportunity. Instead of just saying, here's what we do, here's our policy, it's black and white, you know, hit the road if you don't agree with us. It's tell us about your situation, what your struggle is, um, and, and let us help you. And I know for, for a lot of people, uh, women who are contemplating an abortion, um, it's not like they wake up one day, it's like, you know what, I just, I really want to have an abortion today. I, I just have no respect for life or this baby. When you drill down, uh, most people uh, are struggling in their life. They're, they're in a circumstance that they feel like they can't get out of, that there's no hope in, there's, there's no answer for. And when they find that, they're, that it's going to be fine, that there's answers and there's hope, they're more willing to carry this life to term and figure out better options than the abortion. Awesome. Hmm. I guess when you think of it but that way, there's lots of opportunities because our church and its its morality is often seen as like a black and white thing. Mm-hmm. And I think for that reason, people think that we judge people or yeah. we're a judgmental church. But those every one of those so-called black and white issues can be an opportunity for that kind of conversation. Huh? Absolutely. And that and that's what it provides. Like There's a better option than what you're thinking about. And I think when we're in desolation and sin, uh, we think the only option is you know maybe this drastic option that we're thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's better options in Christ, and he, he offers hope, even though the decision might be hard. So, you know, I have compassion for people who are com- contemplating those tough decisions, because I know that, that in their heart, they want more. Yeah. Question number five. So the word sin came up in the conversation a lot. Yeah. As, like, a problem. Should we talk about sin more as, as a country, and will people actually believe us? I mean, do people believe in sin anymore? I think we stopped talking about sin from the pulpit, which is crazy to me, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways in our churches. Um, and this is cross-denominational, but I see it even, our Protestant friends, like a lot of times we just want to talk about, uh, someone said the other day, can, can you just talk about the happy Jesus? I'm like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> um, like, Jesus smiled, but like he died on a cross and for our sin. And like, w- what has happened in our world is we don't want to, we don't want to offend people. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, and that's bled into the church. We don't want we don't want to offend anybody or make people feel uncomfortable. The reality is, is people are sitting in the pews or in chairs or on their couch, and they're wrestling with their humanity. They're wrestling mm-hmm. with their sin and their brokenness, and they want an answer for it. But you can't give someone an answer if they don't know what the problem is. Mm-hmm. So the answer is just the answer, but they got to know the problem. And the problem is our brokenness and our sin, and, and the answer to that is Christ. And yes, the answer to your question is we need to talk about it more, and we haven't talked about it enough. But I think a lot of times when we hear messages about sin, we, we don't follow up with the message of mercy and love, that invitation into surrendering our sin to Christ. Man, I love that, because 
while sin is the problem, the people who sin are not the problem. Right. Right. Like sin never gets in the way of God. Right. But it's like a disease. And if we don't confront it, if we don't heal it, it'll spread, it'll get worse and keep us from God. Sin is the problem, but the people who sin are not in the way. Right. Like we they need right. Jesus and they need mercy. Amen. Mm. Exactly. I like the show today. Man, we're, it, hitting, we're hitting it deep. We, we went all the way. Did, well, question number six is... Okay, I was is, wondering. We're going to keep going. This is six-pack. We're going... Right. It's question number six. Top do and don't, uh, upholding human dignity in America. If if we're if we're so inspired by the show today, we're like, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to uphold dignity. Give Boom. me a top do and a top don't. Top do would be to do something. Don't just sit back. So everyone uh, needs a battle to fight in this arena. And some people... It's through the political realm or through, through the marching or through letter writing, like Chris said, or different things or politicians. Uh, um, and some people, it's through the evangelization or, or leading a group or raising awareness. I would just say do something. Don't sit back and say someone else is going to do something. Mm-hmm. So the top do is to do something. The top don't is don't do nothing. <laughs> don't do nothing. Like do something. You know, don't don't. Uh, just assume that uh, the world's going to get better by someone else. Like God's calling you to do something, even if it's little, even if it's it's all you got. Do it. Do something to make this world a better place. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Good show, Paul. So anyway, great show. Thanks to Chris Fattis. Thanks, Adam. Uh, you can get the show PaulGeorge.la. You can share it on iTunes, Google Play. Um, share the show. Uh, become just a uh, a part of it, a fan, and all those things. Uh, so anyway, uh, exciting news coming out. I got a good book coming out in spring, Adam. Um, and yeah, great stuff. So anyway, Paul George Show, we'll be back next week. God bless.